Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. While the COVID-19 era we are living through has seen us more informed and concerned about our health and well-being than any other time in recent history. And with good reason. You know, we now live uh, our lives each day taking, you know, precaution uh, to protect ourselves and loved ones against contracting COVID. But at the same time, of course, we're sort of getting to that point where we've got a little bit of COVID fatigue because we've heard about it and spoken about it so much over the last few months. Well, today we're going to be discussing two topics relating to COVID. Um, this, and it, both of these are quite new discoveries and we're really excited to be sharing them with you. So firstly, uh, the first point we're going to be speaking about is nutrition and how the use of vitamin D can help to combat COVID-19. Interesting, I know, stick with me. Secondly, um, the second one is the detection of COVID-19 in sewerage and what that means. So to help um, discuss this, we welcome our special guest, Sarah Smith, dietitian from Bayside Dietetics. Now, a little bit about our guest, welcoming, welcoming her back. Um, Sarah works in a private practice in Bayside, Melbourne, after working for an extensive period within a Monash Children's Hospital. Now, today, Sarah is going to discuss the benefits of vitamin D and also link the link between our poo wastewater and COVID-19. And I know what you're thinking, but stick with me on this one. First of all, Sarah, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Thanks, Rach. COVID fatigue for sure, but I'm really excited to to chat today to get those. Just a couple of key points before we switch off from COVID altogether. There's a couple of of things that I think are really important for everyone to hear about. Um, So we'll try and nail those and, and let everyone move on in the safest way possible. Love it. Okay, so just wanted to acknowledge we'd published a couple of your articles recently. The first one is titled, Can a Nutrient Save Your Life During COVID? And the second one is titled, What's in Your Poo and How Can It Help During COVID-19? So for someone who hasn't read either of these articles yet, can you please tell us what they are both about and of course, what inspired you to write them? The the COVID time period has been, um, I've really loved the new information that's come out and I felt I'm back at uni learning so much. So it just, I was just inspired by these awesome scientists out there learning all this information to help us keep it as, as safe as possible. The um, vitamin D article I wrote was really, there's so much good information about how protective this nutrient is with COVID. So we sort of initially thought about nutrition and, and COVID and thought, what could we do? And we weren't <coughs> entirely sure. And now we know, hang on, let's nail that. And that's really, really important. So that article really talks to that. And the sewerage one was really um really a talent to get sort of the topic of poo into a blog like it's it's um uh no not a goal of mine but it's something I talk a lot about is is people's stools so the article talked a lot of detail about what they're actually made up of but the really interesting part at the end about how COVID 
links into your stool. So mm. I'll talk about that. If you want to read more about the where stools come from, go to the blog. And I'll just talk today just about the really um, COVID-specific part in, the, in our chat today. And in both the articles, you link to a lot of studies and a lot of research as well. So they're, they're really a fantastic source of information as well. So we're really, really honoured to be able to publish those for you. Now, to begin with, I believe there was an original theory based around, um, you know, vitamin D playing a very protective role for people around the virus. So what is the key nutritional thing that we can do to help reduce our risk with COVID-19 then? Hmm. So what happened was uh, there was people were noticing that, that those who were getting really, really sick with COVID, and this is from around the world, not Australia, this is, um, yeah. you know, America, and England, that kind of thing. Um, Israel was doing a lot of work. They were noticing that people that were getting really sick with COVID were dark-skinned or in nursing homes. And there's a pattern there because those two groups are also the highest risk groups for having a low vitamin D level. And so there was this beginning, this perception that maybe there was some sort of link between vitamin D and getting sick with COVID. Interesting. Yeah. And then they started to um, go beyond the link and sort of look at people's vitamin D. So those that were in hospital and checking their levels, how did that compare to the population? And it was certainly sort of reinforced that there might be a link because people that were getting really sick with COVID did have vitamin, low vitamin D levels. And so just very recently, it's only just been published, but a, a few few trials are going on and they've just released one from Spain, which is a really high quality study that actually went in and said, right, if we think there's a link between vitamin D and, and sort of getting unwell with COVID here, what if we supplemented those who are, have the COVID or are at high risk of getting COVID and let's see what benefit people get from it? And it was extraordinary. There was a change in... In terms of risk of getting admitted to ICU, those who got the supplement had a 97% reduced risk of being admitted to ICU. That's incredible, 97%. That's an incredible stat. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, so significant difference with doing it. And the mortality rate or the number of people that died amongst those who were getting supplemented was zero. Not a single person getting a vitamin D supplement was getting it. Now, just a quick note on that. The vitamin D supplement they used was a very, it was a form that's very, um, it's not an over-the-shelf one. It's a very um, high source, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of, it's not something that we can necessarily um, do too much with yet, but the studies are coming out. And this sort of idea that vitamin D and reduced risk of getting really sick with COVID is really looking really strong. Okay, so adequate vitamin D levels may in fact protect us from becoming very unwell with COVID-19. Is that right? Correct. As a result of these studies and this research? Yes, correct. That's really incredible information for anyone to to be able to learn um, and to be able to sort of just, you know, take that information and do something with it. So how can we best then ensure that we have adequate sort of vitamin D levels in our body then? Yeah. So vitamin D really comes from not the obvious. It actually doesn't come much from the Australian diet, so you can't really get it from food. Even though it's a vitamin, it's actually more likely that you'll get it from from two sources, the first being the sun, and that's the most renowned and natural one you can can get. So you will naturally make vitamin D by having sun exposure. 
So, and then hence that sort of correlation with people that were in nursing homes or people with dark skin who don't absorb the sun as well, um, mm. having that increased increased risk of it. So, in Melbourne, we know that the population's got a pretty low vitamin D level as a whole population. We, mm. we struggle a bit. Um, and, and it doesn't, like I do wonder, I don't have any evidence for this, this is just personal speculation, but we're, we're the state that's having the strongest um, or the, the most lingering COVID. We're the ones that are having COVID hang around and we're also the state that's at the lowest, um, you know, furthest away from the equator with the exception of Tassie who's an island and I think that's sort of been protective for them and they've done a really, really good job. But in Victoria we've also got pretty low um, sun exposure for, mm. um, and we've got the COVID hanging around. So I don't know if there's any sort of correlations there. That. Yeah, that's food for thought. Yeah. But can I ask you, yeah. do you think it's worth supplementing vitamin D uh, to reduce this risk then with the likes of supplements? Yeah. Is can, can that work? Do you think? Yeah, it, it is if you can't get enough sunlight. So sunlight is a really is the first form. And I've kind of I've dressed for the occasion with, you know, for this, just to sort of show everybody oh. that in winter you can still get it. You put your vest on, you you roll up your sleeves to get a bit more skin exposure and you get out and get the sunlight if you can. Um, protect yourself from the sun. It happens above UV of three. But if you can't do that, so whether you are in a nursing home, whether you are just your office job makes it really hard to get out in the sun um, or if you have got dark pink burn on your skin, then supplements are seem to be a really good idea. They do they do a really good job. The supplements we have in Australia are really good forms that will, that will boost our vitamin D. D levels, and it certainly looks like that they're a really useful thing to build build up your system if you haven't got it. Okay, if you haven't got, so, you know, if you can't get the sunlight, yeah. And so then, okay, so it's a definitely for, for everyone to be able to consider taking some vitamin D supplements, um, which will help. But now we're sort of heading into the warmer months um, everywhere else uh, in, in Australia, of course, here in in Victoria, everywhere. <laughs> so, which is a great thing for us to get out and about and to, to be able to soak that into our skin. So, how can we ensure that we're getting enough sun exposure for adequate vitamin D levels, but at the same time being sun smart yeah yeah and it's such an important point that you've said because it's really um you know we're not uh, putting increased risk of it to, to save another it's really that whole big picture and i found osteoporosis australia actually had done some really nice work on this level to work out where that balance was and so yeah. i'm going to quote their information but it's, it's a really nice website to look at too they've recommended that above a uv of three in three or above yeah sun protection is a priority and below that, that's when you should aim for your sun exposure. So a UV level of one or two, get out there, get some sun. As I said, rug up and so you can get sort of more of your skin out there. And you'll vary between how much you'll need. As we sort of head towards summer, it's really only a few minutes is enough. You get really good doses in summer. But in winter, in most of the southern states, including even Perth, um, Sydney are low enough for this, you really mm. do want to have, you know, up towards three hours per week of sun exposure. Okay. All right, so mm. Osteoporosis Australia have suggested, let me make sure I've heard this right, that when the UV rating is three and above, um, the sun protection is the priority, whilst lower ratings, sun exposure for vitamin D may be helpful. So how do we know when the rating's at three then? How do we understand and understand? Oh, yeah, good question. There is a, a really nice, there's a couple of areas. Cancer Council of Australia, their website will give you that information. Mm -hmm. There's an app called the SunSmart app and that will also give you the daily UV ratings and it can also give you a um, message each day. If you sort of um, 
as somebody who forgets to look yourself, you just want a reminder sent to you. You can organise to get that app to send you a daily message of the UV. What is that one called again, Sarah? That's called the Sun. It's the Sun, Sun Smart app. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And then the final one is, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but there was uh, uvaustralia.org. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you the link and put that on there, but there's um, hmm. there's a specific website that's just about UV rays in Australia, so you can plug that into. Okay, great. So, so when the UV rating is three and above, sun protection is a priority. So we have to be able to, to, to protect our skin with um, sunscreen. But um, whilst the, 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 the ratings are um, three or below, sun exposure for vitamin D can definitely be helpful. So in summary, adequate vitamin D levels seem to be protective around COVID-19 virus, it seems, which is great. Um, and that we could obviously get this through sun exposure um, and low UV levels um, and then also perhaps through vitamin D supplements. This is an incredible um, sort of thing to, for us to, to, to discover. When did this all come about? Is, is this just recent in the last few weeks or...? Um, yeah, the, the most recent Spanish study has been just recently. They look at the supplementation of it. So that's a very, very recent. It just was published in... Um, they release it slightly early, but October is the date of publication for that. So we, we bang on to it. Um, but I would say like the information on sort of the query about vitamin D happened reasonably early. Like places like the UK were had, they, they noticed that of the deaths in England from coronavirus, five to, there was five, more li- five times more likely that that individual had dark skin. So we just Incredible. had this very early sort of, or we, the, the scientists had this very early idea that's just built and built and built until this really, really recently released information. Okay, great. So this is a really great tip for us to be sun smart this year um, whilst the UV levels are low and then otherwise to be able to consider getting some vitamin D supplements. So thank you for that tip. This is extraordinary. Now, in your second article, you speak uh, about the wonders of our gut and you mentioned that there is another study and in particular scientists in Brisbane have made a a clever discovery. but can you tell, like, what is this about, I guess, COVID-19 in our sewerage? Can you please explain what this discovery is? Yeah. And, again, I just I marvel at these scientists, just the, the, the lateral thinking and so much has been going on <coughs> to really help us all with, with COVID. So it's another thing that really um, <laughs> excites me to, to talk about. But um, it started again, it started overseas, but there was observations that in sewerage plants they were getting detection of the COVID virus in there. And so um, it does make sense to us because we know that our stools are mainly bugs. That's what the stool is mainly made up of. They're um, predominantly guts, bugs <coughs> excuse me, that live in the gut and so it's natural that they'll come out. But we also know that COVID seems to get to a few different areas of the body. So the COVID also seems to come out into the, into the stool along with the other, the other gut bugs. So if you have infected with COVID, the chances are you will emit some of that COVID virus out into your stool. So what the clever people have done is really looked at it and said, well, if it comes out in your stool, then if we look at sewage plants, we're going to know whether or not the people in the area that this sewage um, plant comes from have got, if there's any detection of coronavirus in that area. Wow. So it started out in Brisbane. I did notice last week, this was sort of towards the end of September in New South Wales, it was also... Um, really useful because what what the COVID numbers were saying was there was no new cases in New South Wales, but at the same time there was detection of, of COVID nineteen in the sewage plants in New South Wales. So there was an indication that while the testing was zero, there was still COVID in the in the community because it was coming out into the stools. 
That's incredible. So the studies have detected um, the untreated, untreated wastewater um, that is infected with, with COVID-19 is likely and can affect others, but it's a great way of us detecting um, and, and tracking, I guess, COVID levels within the community. Is that right? Exactly right. So it's not an individual. You can't, no, no one's ever going to know whose stool it came from, whose house it came from. It's a collection of just the population or the the local area whose who's, um, wastewater goes to that sewage plant. You can tell whether that community has got COVID in, in that community or not. Okay. And so you speak um, and you've spoken about bugs and their relation to our lives, um, but the bugs you speak about are dead bugs, like bacteria, uh, virus, fungi, um, and how do you pronounce the other one that um, is archaea or how do you pronounce the other one that's found? Yeah, I, yeah good question. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, but there's it's, there's another one in our digestive system. So I'd love to the know then how do all of these these bugs, as we just said, bugs being bacteria and viruses and all those types of things that are naturally uh, and fungi that are in our digestive system, how um, do they sort of help our digestive system? Just overall, this is just an you know, yeah. FYI than anything else. Yep. Yep. No, great question. They basically, they do a lot of the digestion for us is the simple uh-huh. answer to it. Yeah. So, so as humans, we can do a lot of the digestion of food for ourselves, but there's some of it that we can't do. So we have evolved with bugs in our system, the very end of our system, to do that digestion. And then what happens is when they digest the, the last remnants of food for us, we get the nutrients from the job that they do. So we get the last bits of nutrients of goodness through these bugs digesting food for us. Okay, so bugs help with the process known as fermentation, which is to um, digest some of the food in our body. And during the fermentation process, they create byproducts and they're released. Is that right? So how um, do these byproducts keep us healthy then? How does that work? We absorb them. So we've got this really nice blood supply to our gut. So all the good stuff from the food and um, the digestion of food or the fermentation of the food by the bacteria, we can get that goodness straight into our bloodstream. We can take it around our body and use it. So you get some really nice gases, for example, that will cross from the intestine into the bloodstream. There's also a couple of vitamins that will cross over in that last little phase. So it's cool. a really, it's a really um, clever system that's, that's set up for us. So some of the b- bacteria in our gut then will, sounds like will ferment leftover food particles, but those, and that will release mm-hmm. compounds um, and that sort of stuff helps stabilize our sugars and improve our immunity mm-hmm. overall. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the immunity thing's quite a new thing too, that we're learning more about, but it's, 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 indic- we seem to think that that really good gut health um, and that's what we talk about when we talk about good gut health. It's a really good, um, good um, picture of those bacteria and things. A really healthy, a healthy. Um, uh, what's the best word for it? But a, a, you know, the, the right sort of bacteria in the gut for who you are as a person is called a um, a healthy gut. And there seems to be um, a lot of benefit from that. A lot of benefit from just feeling good in the time to really reduce risk of disease later on, for sure. Cool. Well, this has been a really fascinating discussion today with some incredible pieces of research that you've you've shared with us. Um, and of course, relating to the two topics that we, we mentioned also, of course, um, the use of vitamin D and in its use to help combat uh, COVID-19. And secondly, the detection of COVID-19 in sewage um, and just what that means overall. So for anyone watching and listening, what are the key messages that you would love for people to take away from this chat today then? Yeah, I think there's really one key message and that is to really 
make sure you've got enough vitamin D to reduce your risk of getting really unwell with COVID. Um, whether it's through the sunlight exposure or through supplementation, either way will work well to you or seems to work quite well to reduce reduce your risk and I will just add on to that I sort of talked a lot about supplementation and vitamin D supplementation is is very safe Rach it's we're not um, recommending something that is harmful but I still think before you do anything like that just touch base with your GP or your dietitian identify if you're high risk of not having enough vitamin D you don't need a blood test just simple chat about sunlight exposure and then supplementation it could really make a difference to um, if you happen to get exposure to COVID whether or not you're going to get sick or not. Awesome. And if anyone's got any other questions for you, uh, whereabouts can they find you then? My website's the best bet for me. It's www.baysidedietetics.com.au. Awesome. Sarah, this has been really, really fun. Um, I love learning new things as well, as I do each and every day. But this in particular, where it's directly related to sort of helping save lives is just incredible. So thank you so much for sharing this information with us today. My pleasure. Course, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we'll have all the links, of course, to, to, your, to your website and a lot of those studies and those apps also in the show notes. But thanks again and look forward to uh, catching up with you soon in the not-too-distant future. But take care and stay safe in the meantime. Take care. Thanks, Rachel. All right, bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.